Amen. You all may be seated. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I don't know if there's a seat belt on this podium, but after Easter and after just getting back from the men's conference, I need to probably buckle myself to this because it may get a little animated today. So my name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my honor to, to, to stand here before you. I just got back with about 60 of our guys from the Stronger Men's Conference, and we're a little fired up. So if you, if you see some of us, we, we've had an incredible weekend. We're really thankful for all that God did in each of our lives. Well, for years, there's been a show that's captivated audience. It's the show called Hoarders. And it chronicles the lives of, of people that really struggle. They, they battle to throw things away. They really struggle with, with getting rid of things. And things begin to pile up in their lives, right? They, they, they stash things in every nook and cranny of their house. And they, they really struggle. And it ends up overtaking their home. And they end up in a huge mess. And those on the show are often on the show because they're, they're trying to seek help. They're trying to seek help to address their mess. Sometimes family has, has kind of entered into the process to try to help them. But it can happen to all of us, right? We can, things begin to clutter up. I don't know about you. Have you ever had your garage overflowing with stuff? Have you ever had the basement so you, you can hardly get into the storage room? You're just like, have you received in the mail lately that a big item a pickup is coming? Hallelujah for the city that you're in a couple of weeks here. You'll get to take all this stuff out to the curb. And they'll take that stuff that you don't know what to do with. Like, what, what do we do with this whole thing, right? It's starting to clutter up the house. Well, bulky item pickups coming, or you have a garage sale, right? I grew up a garage sale with my mom going around buying other people's junk. I loved it. Um, but the problem for those on the show is, is, is the mess in their homes has so often left them stuck in life. They're stuck in life, and it's, it's left them miserable. In some cases, it's, it's isolated them. It's caused them to feel humiliated, and it's caused them to feel shame, and wondering if life could be any different whatsoever, like could, ever, could we ever get out of this mess, and sometimes they, they kind of get comfortable in their mess, and they try to address things, but it gets painful, right? When we address our mess, things can, can be a little painful, and sometimes they get started, and they have to pause because it's, it's just a little hard to handle, and sometimes, and this is what I love, and this is the great stories, is that so many people on the show... Their lives have been transformed when they were brave enough, when they received some help to address their mess. They found out that when they de dealt with it and they got some help, they could learn to live a brand new way of life and they were free from the shame and some of the guilt and some of the stifling uh, uh, strongholds that were on them in their life. And so today we're going to start a series that's going to challenge each of us to address the mess in our own lives. We're going to be talking about things that we really believe are keeping people from growing spiritually. We think that there are things in our lives that are keeping us from not only growing spiritually, but from moving forward in our faith and actually stepping into God's will for our lives. We're going to, we're going to talk about some difficult things. We're going to talk about addictions. We're going to talk about spiritual strongholds and footholds that get into people's lives that keep them from growing, that keep them from stepping into God's will for their life. We're going to talk about pornography. And the room usually gets quiet when we talk about it because it is a really difficult thing. We're going to talk about grief and, and pain and suffering. We're going to talk about roots of bitterness. Because there's some of us that it's keeping us from growing. It's keeping us from being all that God wants us to be because of this root 
of bitterness that's growing up in our lives. And we're going to try to address a mess in your life that might bring about this emotional healing in your life that literally helps you to catapult you into God's will. And some of this, as we admit messes that we have, might end up patching up some relationships that we've had struggle with. We might end up having some marriages that are healed, some relationships with family who either live under your roof or who live nearby or who live on the other side of town and you've been really happy they live on the other side of town because of the strained relationship. We're really hoping that God's going to do a great work and we believe this series has the potential to do some amazing things in each of our life. Well, today we're actually going to talk about the mess in my life that I had to deal with. And my hope is that maybe as I share how God worked in my life, that hopefully you'll find the courage to address your mess. You know, as we talked about this series, Address Your Mess, I think, I think what was going through Pastor Christian's mind was, let's see, who had the biggest mess in his life? Maybe he should kick off this series, and so here I am, right? Uh, I had the biggest mess. God uh, had to do a great work in my life, and so let's let him kick off the series on Address Your Mess. And so uh, I don't know where I'd be. I really don't. I don't know where I'd be if God hadn't helped me address my mess. I have no idea where I'd be. I'd probably be dead, but I'm not sure. Uh, Here's today's key thought, and I want you to listen to this. We'll never step fully into God's purpose for our life until we step out of our mess. We'll never fully step into God's purpose for our life until we step out of our, our, our mess. And some of us, we've been unable to really step into God's will for our lives because we have not stepped out of the mess that we're in. You know, there's a, a great ministry by the name of Celebrate Recovery, and they have been helping people for years deal with their habits and hurts and hang-ups, and they're a great Christian-based ministry, and they, they, they believe that every one of us, as I do, has a hurt. Every one of us has a hang-up. Every one of us has a habit that we need help and that we need to deal with. And so I really believe we'll never fully be who God wants us to be. Literally, we'll never fully be who God wants us to be until we address our mess. So question for you, and I want you to be asking yourself this question today and throughout this series, what is my mess that I need to address? What is my mess that I need to address? What is my mess that I need to address? Well, I want to encourage you to open up the JCI app. You'll see the sermon notes there if you're streaming online. Welcome. We're glad you've joined us in. But you can take your your bulletin if you got one on the way in and grab your notes. And as you think about your mess, because every one of us has one, every one of us has a mess, I want you to turn to Titus chapter 3. And as you do that, I want to give you a little background about this book that Paul wrote uh, to Titus. And it was written again, by the Apostle Paul, and he, he wrote it to Titus, whom he had, he had sent to the island of Crete. And he sent him there to start a church. And Paul had been there on one of his uh, missionary journeys, and he sent Titus back to, to establish these home churches. And uh, Cretan culture was notorious. It was not a great place. It was notorious for violence, for treachery, for, for sexual corruption. In fact, uh, the island was full of people who were far from God. Sounds like our mission statement. We exist to reach people who are far from God. But one of the Greek words uh, for being a liar was kretizo. And it actually meant to be a Cretan. 
So can you imagine that? Like a word for liar was Lee Summit? Oh, hey, you Lee Summiton. That, that wasn't a very good Greek word. I'll have to, I'll have to work on that. <laughs> but can you imagine that? So the island had all these harbors, right? Islands have all, uh, multiple places for you to, to launch off in a boat. And I think Paul very strategically thought, if I can establish the gospel there, we can send people throughout uh, the area to reach them for Jesus. So first of all, throughout Paul's letters, like I could have picked any number of scriptures that Paul had written because he's always got this theme about sin and about striving to, to live for Jesus and really about the tension between that, about how difficult that can be, right? It's not just as easy as, hey, run from sin and everything will be easy. No, it's, there's, there's tension in that. And so here Paul's talking to a group of believers that, is, that he's helped to establish and he's trying to help them to do what we want to do in this series, and that is to help people address their mess so they can grow spiritually, so they can become fully who God wants them to be, to do all that God wants them to do in their lives. And to, the thought of that really fires me up. When I look at the people in our church whose God's been able to do this in their life, it fires me up that we get a chance over the next several weeks to literally release people to release people to do all that God wants them to do. And you need to realize God wants to release you to do all that he has for you. He wants, you to, help. He wants to help you get out of your mess. Well, can we pause to, to pray and ask God to, to speak to each of our hearts as we do every week, just saying, God, we're going to open your word. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you pray with me, Father? We want to pray right now that you would speak to our hearts. Father, we're about to open your word. We're opening our hearts also. We're open to what you have to say to us today. We pray that any distractions would re, be removed, any, anything that would already begin to say, now this isn't for you, this isn't for me, this is for the person next to me, this is for that other sinful person a couple rows over. Father, we're listening for what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're in Titus chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 for you. And it says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always being gentle toward everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another, but when the kindness and love of God our uh, Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are an excellent and profitable for everyone. See, to address your mess, I really believe you need to be aware of three realities. And so you need to be aware of reality number one, the enticement of sin. Did you see it in Titus 3, 1? It said, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and check this out, to be ready to do whatever is good. Underline that in your Bibles, to be ready 
to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Why would Paul say to be ready to do whatever is good? Why would he say that? Because he knows sin is enticing. He knows sin is enticing and you need to be ready. And see, Paul established this church. He helped get it kicked off the ground. And so he knows this group of believers in Crete, right? This place known for liars and sexual deviants and, and really sinful people. He knows that it's going to be difficult to be obedient there. It's going to be difficult and they have to be ready. He knows that sin is enticing. He knows the culture in Crete. The culture was difficult, and we live in a culture where sin is enticing. Like, it is difficult to live for God. It's difficult to be ready to do whatever is good. Well, I love fishing, and I actually love fishing for catfish. And so, if there's one thing I know how to do, I know how to entice a catfish to bite the hook. Now, it's a big old nasty hook, so to want to bite that, man, you've really got to do something to entice it. And I brought some magic potion here. I brought, if you're a fisherman in the room, you already know what I got here. I've got a little stink bait. I've got some stink bait. Now, here's what I've not done. I've not taken the plastic wrapper off because I didn't want to kill you all. Um, <coughs> you don't really need to open it up. It already stinks enough. But this stuff is repulsive, but to a catfish, it's enticing. And sin is repulsive. But to each of us, it can be enticing because, because the enemy knows exactly what to entice you with. The enemy knows how to try to bring you down. He knows how to entice you because sin can be fun. I mean, let's just be real. Sin can be enticing and sin can be fun. And you, you, you know that there are things that are enticing to you. So what is your stink bait? What is your stink bait that's just every time you get near it, you're like a catfish and you just, you can't control yourself. Next thing you know, you're on that hook and you're in trouble. The enemy knows. You see, the enemy would love to entice you with sin. The enemy would love to entice you with sin to get a foothold in your life. And Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27 says this, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, there's a, there's a simple definition that I want to give you today for what a foothold is. It's the word leverage. So just keep in your mind that foothold equals leverage. Now, I grew up in Colorado uh, for about six years, and I love climbing rocks. I love, we lived up in the mountains, and so I would just kind of take off with my buddies, and we would go looking for a place to climb. We'd go looking for a place to, to start climbing up some rocks, and if there's one thing you need to do when you start climbing, you need to find, you need to find, and, and what I've got up here, I've got these, if you've ever climbed a rock wall, I couldn't convince them to let me kind of build one right here so I could demonstrate this for you. Uh, but these are, these are grips, right? These are, these are things that you can really get a foothold in. And as I'm climbing, I'm looking for places that I can hold on to. I'm looking for places where I can get leverage. And I want you to understand the devil is trying to get a foothold in your life. He is trying for you to grab onto the enticement. He's trying to get you to sin so that he has a leverage into your life. So he can just start prying deep into your life. Because when you're enticed by sin and you give it into it, you're giving the enemy one of these. You're giving the enemy a foothold. Now he may not have control of you, 
but he's got leverage. He's got leverage and he is prying. He is climbing up into your life. And that's exactly what he wants. He's climbing deeper into you. He wants to distract you. He wants to trip you up. He wants to, hey, I'm growing. Oh, and I fall on my face because the enemy had leverage into my life and he is trying to distract me. And enticement is everywhere, right? All of us are enticed by something. We all have a stink bait that draws us in. We're enticed to lie. We're, entri- we're enticed to steal. We're, we're ent- enticed to cheat. Every one of us has a stink bait. So what footholds, what footholds have you allowed to create a mess in your life? What footholds have you allowed to create a mess in your life? And the enemy's not content with just a little mess, right? He wants to leverage that sin you're dabbling in. He wants to leverage that sin that, it, man, it's not going to hurt anybody. At least that's what you told yourself. It's, it's not going to hurt anybody. Or that, or that sin that no one's going to know about because you've, you, you've got it hidden, you believe. And the harsh reality is this. Every sinful action has the potential it has the potential of progressing, progressing from leverage, a foothold, into a stronghold. And so Paul knows that sin is enticing. It's reality number one. But reality number two that we need to be aware of is that there's an enslavement of sin. Titus 3.3 3 says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasure. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. You see, enslavement happens when that foothold becomes a stronghold. And again, I'm, I'm kind of a simple guy. I need simple ex- explanations for things. Um, and so if, if you want to think of this, a stronghold is equivalent to a fortress. A stronghold is equivalent to a fortress. See, the enemy's trying to set up camp in your life. And I don't mean just one of those little tents, right? I used to camp in those little tents that, you know, if you didn't stake them down, they're just going to blow away. That's not the kind of camp the enemy's trying to set up in your life. No, he's trying to build a fortress in your life. He's trying to build a stronghold in your life. And a sinful activity can become a sinful addiction that has the potential to, to grow into a fortress in your life. Now, I know not, not every addiction is a sin. Right? Not, every, not every addiction is a sin, but every sinful action has the potential of becoming an addiction. And I believe there's a progression. There's a progression of that stronghold, often a, a sinful addiction that we need to be aware of. And I call it this progression of a stronghold. And you see it there in your notes, this progression of a stronghold. This is what specialists say happens to each of us, right? That uh, we, we have a pain, I've got a pain. In other words, something's missing in my life, or I've got an emotional pain. I've got a physical pain. I've got a relational pain. I've got a stress that's causing me pain. And so, because of that, I seek relief. I, 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 I take food to try to relieve this emotional stress that I've got, or, or, I, or I turn to drugs, or I turn to alcohol. Or I turn to Netflix and I just binge Netflix forever. Again, not every, not every addiction is necessarily a sin. But I, I seek relief. And what's interesting is they all promise freedom. Hey, you do this, it's going to take care of your problems. You're going to feel better if you, if you uh, fill it with this. Until, number three, I get hooked. I literally get hooked because I build up this tolerance. I, tomorrow I need more. What, what I once needed to, to fulfill and give me the relief, tomorrow I need more. 
Tomorrow I need something stronger. Tomorrow I need even a little bit harder stuff. Or tomorrow I need a little bit more of that to numb the pain. And then there's denial. I I begin to rationalize and justify. Hey, everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing this, so it's okay. It's okay that, that I do it. I deserve this. Man, I've worked hard. I'm really stressed. I deserve to do this activity to give me relief because I feel, I feel better for, for a while, for a moment, until it dissolves my willpower and I no longer have control over it. That is the progression of this stronghold. This fortress is being built in your, in your life. And you know you're addicted when you try to escape your pain with the very thing that is causing you pain. You understand that? You know you're addicted when you try to escape your pain with the very thing that causes you pain. Well, it's, it's beginning to build a fortress in your life. I don't know if you saw the story recently of the lady from Taiwan, and she, uh, she had this, uh, some, she felt something fly in her eye, and she wasn't real sure what it was. She thought it was dirt that might have kicked up in her eye, and it ended up swelling up, and it was really hurting her, and it was she was, she was scratching at it, and it was just this unbearable pain, and she couldn't stop tearing up. She thought she had an eye infection. Well, her eye ended up swelling shut. And so she goes to the eye doctor, and the eye doctor can't tell at first because it's hard to see. Well, he ends up getting a microscope, and he ends up looking into her eye, and he sees something he has never seen before. She had bees in her eyes. She had bees in her eyes, and they were starting, the doctor said they were starting to set up a home in her eyes. They were sweat bees, and they were drinking the salt in her eyes, and they were stinging her eyes. They were starting to build up a home in her eyes. Now, that's a problem. <laughs> Emory, is that a problem? That's a, we got an eye doctor over there. That, that's a problem. And so these bees are starting to, 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 to make a home in her eyes. I mean, she's got an issue. She had to deal with it. The doctor said that if she hadn't dealt with it, she'd have probably been blind. It have probably blinded her. And it's the same thing with sin, that enslavement of sin. It can end up destroying your life if you don't deal with it. If you don't deal with the enslavement, the leverage you're giving the enemy, it can end up destroying your life. If you don't, if you don't do anything to combat it. If, if you just keep turning back and back to that same sin, you just keep going back again and again and again, and you don't repent of it. You don't say, God, I'm, I know this is destroying me. I'm, I'm, t- I'm tired of it. I'm sorry. I'm turning my back on it. I don't need it anymore. I don't want it anymore. I need your help. It, if you don't deal with it, if you try to hide it, if you keep sticking it under the couch, if you keep hiding it places, eventually it starts to stink. Eventually, it starts going, something isn't right here. Something doesn't smell right. The enemy will begin to build this fortress, and it's going to be really difficult to tear it down. He'll begin to inflict damage on your life and and really the lives of those around you. What was once something maybe you dabbled in will have built into a fortress in your life, and you'll become enslaved to it. The person who just thinks, you know what, I'm just going to try this illegal drug a little bit just to kind of ease some of the pain. I've heard it'll bring me some relief. It ends up enslaving them. The person who starts drinking just a, you know, a little bit of alcohol in order to drown out their, their sorrows begins to become enslaved by it. The person who, who tells a little lie in order to get out of something ends up in a web, enslaved in a web of half-truths. 
The person that just thinks, you know, I'm just going to tell a few things behind people's back. You know, it's not, it's not harming anybody. I'm just going to tell a couple of things. I'm just going to talk about people a little bit. They ended up becoming uh, enslaved by gossip and slander, and they hurt people. And that foothold becomes a stronghold because what you thought you could control end up controlling you and it keeps you from growing spiritually. I had an opportunity to be on the Activate podcast this week. Pastor Christian usually is on a, a weekly podcast. Some of you have heard of it, the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, and I got a chance to, to be the messed up host and, uh, with Pastor Brandon. And I, in it, and here's why I say that, I want to encourage you, in it I share some practical ways to avoid getting enslaved by sin. So I'd encourage you to listen to it. You can listen to a couple things I don't have time to get into today. Some practical ideas on keeping yourself from getting enslaved by sin. So reality number one is sin is enticing. Reality number two, there is the enslavement of sin that we need to be careful of. And the third reality is, and this is the good part. This is the part where I want you on the edge of your seat. I want you listening because this is the good part. And that is, in order to be freed from a spiritual stronghold, we need to be aware of encounters with Jesus bring freedom. Encounters with Jesus bring free, uh, freedom. Now, in Titus 3, 4 through 7, it says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things he had done, we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. I hope you'll underline where it said, Savior appeared. Because Paul, who was a sinner, who was someone who was out killing Christians, who uh, was caught up uh, away from what God wanted him to do in life, he had an encounter with Jesus. And everything changed in his life when he had an encounter with Jesus. Well, God led me to address my mess, and I want to share a little bit of my story of how God led me to address my mess. Well, I I grew up in a home, and my parents divorced when I was eight. And, um, we were a good family, but we didn't have Jesus. And we were a good family, but we had, we had problems that, that I didn't know how to deal with. And we were a good family, but as I got into high school and my senior year and into college, I began to turn to alcohol to deal with things that I didn't know how to deal with. Things that some of it was I wanted to fit in and because I wasn't confident in who I was and and then others, I turned to it to try to kind of drown out some of the hurts that I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And, and I look back at my life, and I think most of the bad decisions in my life were tied to the leverage I was giving, the foothold I was giving the enemy in my life by making poor decisions with alcohol. I think of things that I was doing. It was affecting relationships that I had. My wife now is, is, was my girlfriend then, and man, I... I literally nearly destroyed our relationship in, in college based on things that I was doing with alcohol. I think of it was af- affecting my academic performance. I got to where it was like 11, 12 nights in a row. I'm out at the bars instead of focusing on the future that God might have for me. And again, I was away from God. It was beginning to affect my future career. And just the first few months of my job, I made some bad decisions that nearly, nearly cost me my job. I mean, it was, I was heading in the wrong direction. And at age 22, 
my life was headed in a direction would probably would have ended up ending early. Like there's just stupid things I was doing that it's, I'm, I'm lucky to be alive. In fact, my, my grandfather, who I never met, died of alcoholism at the age of 42. But fortunately, at the age of 23, just a short time later, because my dad had come to Christ and he was praying for me, he was praying that I would have a, a different life than he had. At the age of 23, I encountered Jesus. I started to go to church, but I was still struggling because the enemy had a big foothold in my life, was heading towards a really big stronghold in my life. And I had been up at my alma mater where some of my buddies who were you know, didn't graduate early like I, I did. Uh, they were still up there being idiots, and I went up and joined them, and I was just being dumb. I was, I was doing things that I, I, I just knew I shouldn't be doing. And after a stupid weekend of binge drinking, I came back, and I started to go to this church with my, my girlfriend. And man, I realized that God had a plan for my life. I remember clearly him saying to me, Ryan, you're throwing your life away. I've got better plans for you. I need you to give your life to me. And this was the beginning of Jesus helping me to address my mess. I I learned to listen to him. I learned to listen to him uh, talking to me about a number of things, including the stronghold that alcohol had in my life. I, I learned to listen to him telling me that wasn't for me. I remember being at a youth camp. The pastor Christian was leading, and I was a a newer youth leader, and I was still struggling with this. And Jesus made it clear to me at that youth camp that I needed to get alcohol out of my life. It was restraining the growth that God wanted to have for me. It was restraining the purpose that God had for my life, like the times before that, that I would show up to church, and I had alcohol in my breath, and I would lean over to Heather and say, hey, can, can you smell that? And I'm sure it could. It was probably emanating. I can remember the crass things that I was saying that I was still, even though I had encountered Jesus, I was growing. I was still struggling with some of the friends and my drinking buddies, the crass things that would come out of my mouth that I knew were not what God wanted for me. I remember the sinful decisions I made when it came to sex before marriage, things that were often fueled by alcohol in my life. And I just knew this was not what God wanted me to do. And so God had me address it in June of 1999 at that youth camp. I can remember I was more hooked on alcohol than I was hooked on Jesus, and I knew that needed to change. Did you hear that? I was more hooked on alcohol than I was hooked on Jesus. I was holding on to alcohol stronger than I was holding on to Jesus, and so one thing had to go. The alcohol had to be gone from my life. It was destroying who God wanted me to be, and so I let it go. I let it go with his help. He helped me. These encounters with Jesus helped transform my life. So what are you holding on to stronger than you're holding on to Jesus? Huh? What are you holding on to stronger than you're holding on to Jesus? Are you allowing something else to have a a stronger hold on you? And I know these are all really tough questions. And Easter was last week and we were kind of hoping for a feel good. Sorry to punch you in the mouth today. Because I was willing to listen to Jesus, he helped me to address the mess in my life. And everything changed in my life. And he continues to help me, but I was willing to listen. Even though it was hard, I was willing to listen. And I don't know where I'd be. And maybe you have the same struggle I had. Maybe you have the same struggle I had 
with alcohol. Maybe alcohol has a stronger hold on you than you're allowing Jesus to have on you. If it's not alcohol, what's your mess? What is your mess today? Have you identified it? Have you said, Jesus, what should I give up? Or what should I let go of so I can move forward? What should I give up? What should I let go of so that I can move forward in all that you have for me? Everything changed when I learned to seek daily encounters with Jesus. So I wanted to share just a few of these encounters with Jesus that changed everything for me. I learned to spend time on my face asking for help because it was hard. It wasn't easy. I used to dream about it. I used to dream I was going to blow it and God was going to, you know, uh, stop helping me grow. I, I just, I, I, I needed his help. I remember reading my Bible every day. You know, we went to the men's conference in Logos. It talked about, uh, the, it's a Bible software and they did a study and they basically said this. They said that if you'll read your Bible at least four days a week. They said one or two days doesn't have a dramatic effect on your life. Three begins to, but when you have four or more days in the word, it said your life begins to dramatically change. And I started to read my Bible every day because I needed a lot of change. I started serving Jesus. I was learning to worship. I was finding Christian friends who were helping me live a holy life. I've since read a book by Pursuit of Holiness. I recommend it. It really helped me to realize God wants me to be holy. And now 20 years later, I haven't had a drop. 20 years later, and I haven't had a drop. Everything changed when I learned to encounter Jesus. He did it in mine, and he can do it in yours. But I want to tell you, it's not easy. It wasn't easy, and it's not going to be easy. But when I learned to encounter Jesus every day, he helped me through all of the challenges. I didn't address my mess alone, and you don't have to either. Recently, I got a chance to, to have lunch with a guy, and he was, he was really struggling. And I was pointing out to him that Celebrate Recovery is most likely going to be coming to our church at some point. And, and if you are interested, we can point you to where there's one currently happening. There's some great ministries that can help you, but, but you don't have to to go it alone. And, and as I was meeting with this guy, man, it, it was obvious he was ready. He goes, I don't want to stop. He said, or he says, I want to stop. I don't want to do the things that are making a mess in my life. I want to do things differently. He was at the point where he wanted to make some definite changes. And he says, this is not helping me. I'm ready to address my mess. Are you? Can you hear, can you this morning, can you hear God saying things like this? Hey, this this shouldn't be a part of your life. This is not for my glory. Can you hear God saying, this is a place where Satan can get leverage in your life and eventually wants to build a fortress in your life. Can you hear God say, hey, can't you see it's affecting people around you? Can't you see this isn't just affecting you, it's affecting people in your life that you really care for. This is heading towards a stronghold in your life. And people are finding victory. I've also had times with people who are recently overcoming some things that were really a challenge. So I'm rejoicing with those who've been addressing their mess and God's been doing a great work. So will you, will you today let this encounter with Jesus at church convince you to address your mess? Because we'll never step fully into God's purpose until we step out of our mess. Will you pray with me today? Jesus, our... Our prayer over the next five weeks is that you would, you would help us address our messes. Jesus, you know what they are. 
And you love us in spite of them. Your reckless love is pursuing us. You love us in spite of them, but you don't want us to stay in them. And so today, if you need help addressing your mess, would you just pray this simple prayer with me? Jesus, I need your help. I hear you speaking to me about my mess, and I'm ready to do something about it. Lead me, Jesus, in my next steps in order to get out of it, to get out of my mess so that I can continue to grow spiritually and to step into your purpose for my life. I need your help. Help me, Jesus, to address my mess. And Father, I, I want to come back next week because I know others that need to address, address their mess. And so, Father, give me wisdom on who I can invite so that someone else can come and hear about the mess that maybe they need to address. And Father, we love you and we thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Scott. Hey.